The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Hi, my name is Jessica Click. My mom came to know the Lord uh, through a Billy Graham crusade. We were at church every time the doors were open, um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But I can remember a turning point one night is when my I came downstairs and my father wasn't home and he was in a, a fight. Um, and he got thrown in jail. And so through that, it came out that um, my father had a drinking problem and that he was a drug addict. I started just questioning everything. This is what Christianity is. This is what Christians do. You know, I, I started to question God and looked for love in all the wrong places. So that led to a string of relationships that were based purely on the physical happened to get a job at a place where uh, a young man named Tim Click was working and started out just hanging out. The relationship was, was a good friendship uh, that quickly moved to a physical relationship. Two months after uh, we started dating, I found out that I was pregnant. We did decide together that we would seek to have an abortion. I remember that drive the first time. I can tell you all of the details. I remember in, inside that something literally and figuratively died in me that day. Um, there was just a part of me that I knew I could never get back. Tim and I are still dating, but I was pretty sure that I deserved for him to leave me um, because I thought that I was a monster. We did remain together. Uh, he actually proposed, and, and we were engaged uh, November of that year. In April of the following year, um, two months before our wedding, I found out that I was indeed pregnant again. This time I just made the appointment without even thinking. I don't remember anything about the second time. Um, I feel like that's probably the lowest point. Feeling that God wanted nothing to do with me, uh, that I was never going to be used for anything valuable. So what is your story today? What are the situations or decisions that you've made in your past that feel like they define you now all the time? That as much as you would love to get beyond, as much as you would love to get past them, they seem to always come back. They seem to burden you. They seem to conflict you. Whether it's labels that other people put on you or even just the thoughts in your mind that you can't get away from this, this decision that now has defined you. And some of these things are very, very heavy. And I, I so appreciate Jessica taking the time to share her story because I believe that we all have similar stories like that in our lives where we feel burdened because of what has happened in the past. And as much as we would try, as much as we would love to move forward and let it go, it's like we can't. It keeps coming back. It haunts us. It ensnares us. And it just won't let us go. Perhaps you can think of something like that in your life. I know that in my life, there's plenty of things I'm not proud of. There's moments that I wish I could have done differently. Um, I, there are things I wish I could have taken back that I've said. And it seems like he just comes back and like, why did I do that? That that is not me. That is not the me that I want to tell other people. And it's almost as if when you approach these situations that it's not even me at the control of my life. It's almost like I'm watching myself in like the third person view and I can see myself doing this and I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. It's, it's not me. That's not who I really am. But deep inside, it seems like there's this controlling force 
this rottenness, this disgustingness that, that tries to do its thing its own way. And when it comes out, it's ugly. And I wish it wasn't that way. As much as we'd love to get beyond that, we feel, we feel trapped by that. And we, we tell ourselves that that's not who we really are. That's just like the unfortunate little side version of ourself that happens to stick its head up every now and then. But that's not really who we are. We're really this good person. And we do these good things. And we help out these people. And we try to cover up these unfortunate moments where we feel like we're a failure. These moments that seem to define our lives with regret, with sadness, with times that we wish we could just get beyond. And we try to say these good things that we really are, but here's the challenging and sobering thought is that, quite honestly, that is who we really are at our core. We really are that, that person that makes those poor decisions that we wish didn't come out that way. And we try to cover up with the good works in our life and doing the right things to the best of our ability, but it seems like it's not enough. It seems like we're still defined and we can't get beyond these moments in our past that have hurt us, that have left us stranded and feel like we're all alone as much as we would love to. It doesn't matter the amount of good that we do. We feel trapped. We feel stuck. And we try to make excuses for it. We say, well, I was in a bad mood that day. Or I had a long day at work and I was tired. Or I was drunk or I was high. Or this person treated me poorly so I was going to return whatever it might be. We make excuses for it, but really, we're stuck in this. We're stuck in this addiction, whether it's addictions to lust and lustful thinking or pornography or drinking. Things that we try to cover up by maybe going out and going shopping or by eating, or by posting on social media. We try to cope in all these different ways, but yet it never seems like it's enough. It feels like we're so trapped and burdened by this when we would love to get beyond us. We would love to have our comeback in our lives. We don't want to stay trapped in this. We want to move beyond it. We want to be a better version of ourselves. There's a person in the Bible that I want to introduce you today that went through a similar experience, and his name was Saul. Now, Saul was a great religious leader in his time, and to the best of his ability, he felt like he was following after God. But when Jesus Christ came to earth, he didn't believe in that. And so when all these people started following Jesus, he felt like he was doing the right thing by trying to shut it down. He thought they were going the wrong way, and so he made it his mission in life that he was going to shut down Christianity. He was going to shut down these people that were choosing to follow Jesus that were going against the religious norm that he was a part of. And as a leader, he took full advantage of that. And we see that in Scripture with the, uh, this individual named Stephen. And Stephen was a Jesus follower who made a stand for Jesus. And eventually, this is what happened. Stephen was drugged outside the city, and he was murdered, and he was killed with the approval of Saul. We see this in Acts chapter 7, where it says this. Then they cast him, Stephen, out of the city, and they stoned him. So literally, they brought him outside. They picked up all these large rocks and boulders and just threw them. They hurled them at Stephen, not to hurt him, but to murder him. They wanted him dead. So they stoned Stephen, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And Saul approved of his execution. So again, this picture, Saul is a leader. He's taking advantage of his leadership. And these individuals decide they're going to stone Stephen. And Saul approves of it. He approves to it to the point that he actually stands aside and oversees it and gives his approval. They bring their, their jackets and their clothing so that they can pick up all these boulders and hurl them. And Saul stands there approving of what was going on. 
And believe it or not, this decision that Saul made went on to define him because he became known pretty much as a religious terrorist. This guy was out to hunt down every Christian he could find and not just imprison them, he wanted them dead. He wanted them completely off the face of the earth and he was unwilling to let anything interfere with that plan. It became well known that this is what Saul was after. Saul had a reputation overnight that he was out to seek and destroy Christianity. And so the Bible tells us the Christians that were in Jerusalem and other areas started to flee. They started to go away because they were terrified of what Saul was bringing. So Saul decides that he is going to go down to Damascus and see if he can find more Christians there to imprison, to kill. That is his desire. He wants to go down and he's just on this mission to bring this hurt. And we see this pick up in Acts chapter 9, where it's recorded that now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. So as Saul is traveling on the road to Damascus, he has this encounter like none other where this light shines down on him and literally brings him to his knees. And he hears this voice. He doesn't see a man, but he hears the voice of Jesus saying, the one talking to you is the one that you're seeking to persecute, the one that you're trying to destroy. And it says immediately his eyesight was taken away from him. Even though he opened his eyes, he couldn't see any longer. It was literally struck with blindness. And it's interesting that as he stood to his feet and realizes this, now the leader of this movement had to be led to Damascus. See, his decision led him to a different destination. And it's interesting to see here how the amount of humility and sobering that that had to been for him to realize that he was at the charge and lead this now brought very, very low because of his actions. And then something very interesting happens is as Saul comes to Damascus and he waits there, the Bible says that he remains there for three days. He doesn't eat. He doesn't drink. He actually spends the time praying, the Bible tells us. And I can imagine in Saul's mind, he's trying to figure this whole thing out. He's thinking, I was trying to do the right thing. I felt like I was doing the right thing, but now I'm being told it's the wrong thing. How do I get beyond this? How do I get beyond the murder of an individual that was following after Jesus? How do I, what do I do? Meanwhile, God reaches out and he speaks to another individual, another Jesus follower, whose name was Ananias. And God tells Ananias, I want you to go to Saul and I want you to lay hands on him so that he can receive his eyesight back because I have big plans in store for this individual. I have big plans ahead for him. I can imagine maybe what Ananias' reaction was. Okay, literally, you're talking about that Saul, like Saul the religious terrorist, the one who is looking for people like me, like Jesus followers. You want me to go and greet him and not only greet him, but help him? What's to say that when his eyesight comes back, that he doesn't kill me right there on the spot? But yet Ananias obeys and he goes to Saul. And here's what happens. We see this recorded later in chapter 9 of Acts. It says this. So Ananias departed and entered into the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, don't miss this. He calls him Brother Saul. He doesn't say religious terrorist Saul. He doesn't say the evil Saul. He didn't say the Saul that murdered my friend Stephen. He says, Brother Saul. It's amazing how Ananias looked beyond Saul's past and saw the future that God had promised. Wouldn't it be great in our lives if we started doing that? 
Think about how often we get caught up in labels and how people have been defined. And it's almost like we hold them to that and we're almost bringing them pain and suffering because of it. What if we looked at people differently the way that God looks at people? And we could look at them and say, my brother, my sister, God has a plan for you. It does not matter what past things you've done. It doesn't matter the wrong decisions you've made that you feel like are defining you. God has purpose for your life. And I love seeing Ananias being able to address him in this way, saying, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales from, fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he arose and was baptized. What I love about this is that Ananias doesn't even pray for Saul to get his eyesight back. He says, God told me to show up, put the hands on you, and say that you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, the Bible says that it's almost like scales that fall from his eyes, and he's able to see. Now, I don't know exactly what this looked like in real life, but this is how Justin thinks of this. I almost get this picture of, like, these little side dessert plates that you would have at dinner time, like, over his eyes, and then falling on the ground and just cracking, and Saul being able to see. And it changed everything. It was a radically life-changing experience that, that he had never encountered before that really would define the rest of his life because he had been made new. And this is the point that I think jumps out from Scripture that's applicable today to our lives, to your life and to mine. It's this. We are made new to live new. We are made new to live new. I'd encourage you, you've got a section there with your program. Go ahead and jot that down. Take a couple of notes. Put it uh, on your phone. Put it on social media, whatever. Because I really do believe it's going to be beneficial to you. So you can take that from your hand, put it to your head and your heart, and turn it into a habit. We are made new to live new. Here's what I mean by that is that Saul went through this radical life-changing experience, and we can do that as well. Because just like Saul, the rest of us too, we had this internal problem that we talked about earlier. This thing that is driving us the wrong way that we wish we could get under control, that makes us do things that, quite honestly, we don't want to do. We don't want to be defined by these wrong actions, making wrong decisions that re uh, end up in regret and sadness and depression. We don't want that, but it's stuck within us. And biblical authors call this thing that's stuck within us sin. Sin is simply anything we think, say, or do that does not please God. The things that we do that are contrary to God, and they, become, they come so naturally. There are things that we would naturally do, but they go against God, and it's a major problem. Because it just doesn't affect our lives right now with making poor decisions that we end up regret, regretting later. But it also affects our eternity because that sin separates us from God Almighty. God loves us very, very much, and he would love for us to be with him forever and ever, but he's a perfect and holy God. That means that our imperfection, our sin that is hardwired into all of us, cannot be in God's presence. So that means that we are separated from him. But God loved you too much not to do anything about that. He loved you despite your past, despite your poor decisions, despite the wrong that you would do. God loved you dearly. And so he got involved. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to earth to take the punishment for your sin. You see, there's a very, it's a very strong punishment for sin the Bible tells us, and that's death. That's the only way we can pay for sin. But Jesus Christ did not want you to have to pay that penalty for this sin in your life. He was unwilling to let that happen. So he came to earth, and he lived a perfect life. He never did one thing wrong. And at the end of his life, he willingly chose to take on himself all that sin that is within inside of you. All those things that you do that you wish you didn't. All those things that end in regret. 
all those things that you wish you could take back, where you feel like you're not in control, Jesus Christ willingly took them on himself. He says, I will do this for you because I love you, and he gave his life. He died for you. But the story does not end there. While he did pay the penalty for your sin, then he did the unthinkable, almost the impossible. Jesus Christ came back to life. Three days after his death, he came back to life. And because he came back to life, he had victory over that sin. He had victory over the things that set us back, that put us in all these setbacks where we feel like we're horrible people. He had victory over this so that we can be made new. So that we can experience this new life that comes through Jesus Christ alone. This radical change, it's not limited to Saul. It is meant for us as well. He intends for us to have this incredible new life. Check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. If anyone is in Christ, anyone, it does not matter your past. It does not matter how horrible you feel about yourself. It does not matter the labels that your friends, family, or society has put on you. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You are made new so that you can live new. And this new life comes from Jesus Christ. And here's how this works. Because when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we, make, and we make the decision to choose to follow him and accept his forgiveness in our life, this incredible thing happens where God's Holy Spirit comes and enters into our spirit. So we are no longer defined by ourselves. We are defined by Jesus Christ. And it changes everything. It allows us to enjoy this brand new and victorious life, a life that we ourselves could not work for or earn, but God so graciously gives to us. We are no longer the same, and also we can't be the same any longer because of this life-changing experience that comes from Jesus Christ. You see, because of God's great love for us, he won't leave us the same way he found us. He believes that there is victory, that there is comeback in each and every one of our stories through life change through him. We asked Jessica to share a little bit about her story. Check this out. Three years into our marriage, I found out that I was pregnant again. And of course, everything's set up right. We're married. It's fine. Eight months after Ian was born, I was pregnant again. Isaac is our second son, and he was born early. And I thought, well, this is it. This is God. He's going to take this baby, and, and I deserve that. He was fine. He spent nine days at the NICU, uh, and he was fine. So it was about when they were three years old, my husband and I decided that they we should take the kids to church. It just so happens that the first Sunday back, there was a couple standing on the platform, and she went on to share, and her testimony was she grew up in church, she knew all the right answers, turned her back on the Lord, and had two abortions. So she talked about over the years she thought that she was fine, but she had gone through a forgiven and set-free Bible study, and she now knew that she was free. And there was something inside of me that, that was craving that, I, I wanted to be free, but I didn't think I could be forgiven. So I sought her out after the service to see where I could get this freedom and forgiveness. And she had spoken of this forgiven and set free Bible study. One Sunday morning, there was a pastor that had come to the church and he started to share the gospel. He said, somebody here needs to hear the gospel. So on October 7, 2007, that gospel was shared for me asked the Lord to forgive me for all that I had done, that I had made such a mess of my life, and I asked, asked Him to be in charge. I never wished or thought that a part of my life would, would involve abortion, but I know that God has used that, whether it's there at the pregnancy center counseling young girls who are seeking abortion or sharing a testimony in a church or a youth group just to have people come up and say, you know what, I'm hiding this sin, I'm struggling with this sin, and, and it's through that that God has 
shown off, um, that he's shown his glory, that nothing's too big that he can't forgive. And I know that through that, Tim and I came to Christ. Um, and I'd like to believe that one day I'll be able to hold my children in heaven. If you or someone here today is struggling with the thought of, of having an abortion, or maybe you have had an abortion, please know that there are people here in this church, there's people in the area who want to help you. There is a God who forgives. And there is a way out. You don't have to live with the scars and the pain any longer. Um, there is not anything too big that God can't forgive. The ground is definitely level at the foot of the cross. Did you catch that? There's nothing too big that God can't forgive. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. There is nothing too big that you might have experienced in your life that God can't forgive. And I really appreciate Jessica taking the time to share her story with us. That's a very heavy and personal story, but we all have personal stories. Stories that God wants to step into and to radically change so we can experience that new life with him. You see, God loves us enough to accept us as we are, but he loves us enough to also change who we are as well, to transform our lives so that we can experience this new life with him. And he wants to change every aspect of our life so that we can live this victorious, abundant, overflowing life. Check this out. Revelation chapter 21, verse 5 says this. Behold, I am making all things new. I'm going to read that again. I want you to say the word all with me, okay? Behold, I am making all things new. Everything your past is going to be transformed. It's going to be made new into something incredible. And only God's story that can be written through your life where you are no longer defined by your past, where you're no longer held back by these things, where you're no longer troubled by the things that people have said to you or labeled you or whatever it might be. All those things can be changed through life in Jesus Christ. So here, how can we have this new life? How can we experience this new life that we are made for? Simply put, is this. We are made new when we are transformed by God. We are made new when we are transformed by God. Here's what I mean. When Saul went through his experience, he was transformed by God. He literally became someone completely different. He went on to serve God and to lead people to follow after Jesus. It was an incredible life change that happened because of the work that Jesus Christ did within him. And that's the same work that God desires to do within you. And you might say, well, for me to do all that kind of transformation, that is a whole lot of work. I don't know how to begin. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to fix all these things. I, I've got some messy things in my life. How do I get beyond this? It's going to take all my strength. You're right. It's going to take all of your strength and then some. And that's why you need Jesus. Because when we turn to Jesus, he transforms every aspect. The old things are gone. New things come. Check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When it's talking about this new creation, it's carrying with it the idea of transformation. Literally almost like metamorphosis. So you have a caterpillar, right, that runs around and lives its wonderful caterpillar life for most of its life. It uh, eats all this great food, and then all of a sudden one day, it gets really sleepy and takes a very long nap in a cocoon. And when it comes out, it is totally transformed. It is a new creation. It is not a caterpillar with wings. No, it is a butterfly. It has been totally, totally transformed. The same is true for us is that 
when, just like that caterpillar, a piece of it dies so that new life can come out, the same is true for us. The old is dead. It's gone. It's buried. That means the regret that you carry, it's dead. The shame that has been on your shoulders for far too long, it can be gone through the new life that comes through Jesus Christ. All those labels that society has put on you, all the shaming through social media, whatever it might be, those things can be gone dead because of the new life that comes through Jesus Christ. It comes through this transformation process. And I love this particularly when we look back at the story of Saul and it says that those scales literally fell from his eyes and he was able to see. And I mentioned before, again, my crazy wacky brain, I, I think of that like these little plates that fell and they kind of like just break in front of him. The same is true for us is that when we choose to follow Jesus, those things fall. They break at the powerful name of Jesus. If you go back in the original text and look at the meanings of these words, it's like an extra level of awesome. Um, and when you look at that words that talks about that they fell from his eyes, these scales. It's not that they just fell. It has the idea that they were peeled off. It's nothing that Saul did. It's everything that Jesus did. He peeled off these scales, the sin, the regret, all these poor decisions from his past, and they crushed them right there at his feet. They fell down. But what's even better is when it says that he regained his sight, really that word is talking about that he literally looked upward. Do you see this picture where your past, that your brokenness, it literally falls at your feet because of the powerful name of Jesus. So all you can do is experience this new life to look up at your Savior, at Jesus Christ, who is giving you this transformed life because of his power. That is what we have the opportunity to have. Our comeback begins when we let those scales fall, when we choose to follow Jesus and we look up to him and follow him by faith. That is the desired, victorious new life that God wants us to have. It's one of freedom, where we are no longer stuck in those addictions. We're no longer stuck in those patterns and lifestyles that we wish we could get out of. We have set those things to death because of the new life we've received in Jesus Christ. That's what he wants us to do. And it literally does become a life-changing experience. It changes us drastically. And we actually see this in the life of Saul in, uh, later in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 13, verse 9, it says this, But Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. So literally, Saul went through a name change. He was defined by one person before, and now he says, no, my name is Paul. Saul was this guy that was a religious terrorist. He was defined by his past. That is dead. That is gone. I am now Paul. I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow after him in this newly transformed life that I have through him. So if we're going to have this new transformed life, the thing that we need to realize is this, is that we are made new to live a new life. We are made new to live a new life. You see, God doesn't go through this whole process of changing you and setting you free just for that one moment. No, he desires you to go forward to experience the freedom that comes from him, to experience the love and the grace that comes from Jesus Christ. That is his desire. Going back to the caterpillar example, when a caterpillar goes through that metamorphosis and emerges as a butterfly, it cannot go back to being a caterpillar. It is impossible it is done. It is now a brand new creation that is new and free to fly. The same thing is true for you is that God desires you not to be defined by your past. He wants you to move beyond that. You can't even turn back. He's going to give you a brand new life that is defined by him, by his Holy Spirit that is working within you so that you can do incredibly abundant things that you might not even think were possible so that God can literally overflow his goodness out of your life and impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. It is not just a new life. 
is entirely a new lifestyle that affects every aspect of our lives. Check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 says this. And he died for all, that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Our freedom came with a big price. The price of Jesus Christ giving his life so that we can experience that freedom and grace that comes from him alone. But here's the great part. We're not just made new. We're also becoming new. We call that sanctification. It means that we're constantly growing to become more like the character and nature of Jesus Christ so that these things that were part of our life before don't come back into our life. So as we grow closer to Jesus Christ, that we start replicating his lifestyle. So we start loving people the way that he loved us so that we see people the same way that Jesus Christ saw us. And this is all possible because God becomes our source. It's no longer us that is running our lives. No, it is Jesus Christ in our lives, the Holy Spirit that has indwelt us, that allows us to live differently. So we're no longer going back to the old lifestyle. We're going to this new lifestyle that is defined by Jesus Christ. Check this out. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit that indwells us when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, Now look at that list. Aren't these things that you would rather have your life defined by? Think about perhaps those things in your past that you wish you'd get beyond. If you had a choice, would you rather be clinging on to those things or would you rather have these? This is the abundant life that Jesus Christ offers you by choosing him, by allowing your life to be uh, led by the Holy Spirit. But I think for a lot of us, we're left with this choice if we're actually going to live that way or not. And, And I don't know about you, but if I've been given this new life through Jesus Christ, if I have the Holy Spirit inside me that is redefining who I am, I do not want to be stuck in my old ways. He's given me new life to live differently. I don't want people to look at me and see any other person in the world living the same way. No, my life should look differently. My lifestyle should look differently because of the work that Jesus Christ has done in me. The same is true for you. God desires you not to be trapped in your past. He desires you to move forward in this incredible abundant life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are talking about that caterpillar and that butterfly. That caterpillar was digging around in the dirt. But when it emerges as a butterfly, it starts flying. You and I, we were not made for soil. We were defined for the sky. That is the destiny that God has in your life is for you to soar under the power of Jesus Christ. Not because of anything you can do. Not because of your past that's holding you back. But because of the newly transformed life that comes through Jesus Christ. That is what he offers you freely today. Because he loves you so much as his child. But it comes down to our choice as to what we're going to do. And maybe today as, as, we, as, we, as we have sat here and talked, maybe you thought, man, I, I don't think I can do that. I don't think that I can, I've got too much in my past. You don't know my hurt. You don't know how bad I've been treated. You don't know how much I wish I could change my life. I I wish I could get these things, they haunt me. It just comes back over and over and I just want to be free of it and I don't think I can. Yes, you can today if you choose to accept Jesus Christ, but it comes back to your choice. But remember, when you're choosing Jesus, it's nothing that you're doing. It's all him. It's saying, Jesus, I recognize 
that you are the Lord and Savior of my life. I recognize that you die on the cross to take my punishment. I'm believing on you as my Lord and Savior for forgiveness of sins. Because I realize that when I do that, I will have this new life. I will have this incredibly abundant, overflowing life with the fruit of the Spirit that will radically change not just my life, but the lives around me. It's so true in the life of Paul. Paul's radical life change actually affected hundreds and thousands of more people because of the life change he experienced. And it's the same thing that's true for us today. When we choose to follow Jesus, we can have an incredible impact on the world around us. And maybe you're here today and you've already made that decision. You've accepted that new life through Jesus Christ. But for whatever the reason, it seems like those things in the past keep on coming up. They keep coming to mind As much as you would love those things to be dead and gone, it seems like they just won't let you go. Folks, today, those things, no matter how small, no matter how great, just like Jessica said, there is forgiveness. The ground of the cross is level. You can let those things go today, but again, it comes back to your choice. Do we want to stay in the dirt? Or do we want to soar with our Savior? Do you want to be free from these things that have held you back far too long, then give them over to Jesus. Make that choice, make that decision today that will radically change your life and experience this newly transformed life through Jesus Christ. I invite you to go ahead right now and close your eyes and bow your heads. We're gonna take a moment here to pause and pray in a moment, but maybe today you are saying, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to be defined by him and not by my past. If that's you, simply just ask him. There's no perfect words or the miraculous or magical words So this. This is literally you just expressing your heart to God, saying, God, you know what? I know that I am a sinner. I know I've done wrong things, but I am choosing Jesus today. Please forgive me of my sin. The Bible tells us that when we ask that he will, he'll forgive us of all of our sins. He'll give us that home in heaven and we'll become a part of God's family. But maybe for others of you today, there is something very specific in your mind that is holding you down. You're a Jesus follower, but there's something from your past that you just have not been able to let go of. Today, would you be willing to take the courage to say, you know what, God? Peel back the scales from my eyes. Let that fall. Let it break at my feet And let me look up to you as my Lord and Savior. So would you take a moment right now to pause, to pray, have those conversations with God. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.